Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's On the Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with John Paul Hampstead, as always, our Hello, director Zachary. of Passport. Yes, uh, research. research. Yeah, which is a phenomenal little thing that you uh, you guys do over there. So I was reading some of your reports yesterday. Yeah, uh, you guys put out a weekly trucking report and an intermodal report. Right, and we now, do a special topic as well. Right. Yeah, and you do the special topic every week. But uh, we've talked about those a few times on here, but. I was reading the intermodal report the other day, and there's some interesting uh, developments on the intermodal side. So we had some in, like intermodal right. has been a good volume declining on a week comp. Yeah, so it's been a little bit better, and we just had Hub Group uh, announce right. a pretty good uh, fourth quarter as well. So what have you what have you guys seen in the intermodal sector? I think it's been kind of a surprising sector. I mean, we've had a uh, Mike Bodendistel, one of our market uh, experts here. He's talked about it as being like. Don't get too excited just yet. Yeah, but it is an interesting development. I mean, it meant, so going through earnings season, management commentary about Intermodal was really constructive and positive. They're looking at it as a growth engine, um, but at the same time, the, what they're doing, you know, it's sort of like actions speak louder than words. And so earlier last year, um, Union Pacific had cut 65 interline intermodal services, so essentially routes that connect the east, the west to the east, they, they cut those. They started reactivating those. Um, at the same time, you know, they don't want to, even though trucking spot prices are still falling, they don't want to adjust intermodal down to sort of uh, reestablish that intermodal savings kind of margin that shippers really depend on to justify slightly slower service. And w the other thing that we kind of found really interesting is that, um, and uh, Union Pacific COO Jim Vanna talked about this in the earnings call, but they're taking what was originally six intermodal terminals in Chicago and reducing it down to three. Uh, it weirdly, initially in the earnings call, they characterized this as an investment to improve, That's fascinating improve too fluidity in we've, the network. We've seen the Chicago market on the trucking side specifically has had a pretty rough go of it this year. Uh, volumes have declined roughly, I, I think they were down as much as like 20% in the summer, uh, year over year, uh, in terms of 2019 versus, of course, the robust 2018 that we all talk about. But uh, they stayed pretty subdued for the remainder of the year, and they still are looking a little bit softer. So I think it is interesting to see that they may be almost projecting that Chicago is going to stay soft. Yeah. Or So here, here there, there are two kind of real possibilities here. One is that you know, they, um, because what we have to think about is not Chicago as it is today, but as Chicago is in a, a high volume environment. Right. Um, which, you know, uh, in 2018, it was the center of sort of this epic intermodal snarl that saw dwell times spiking. Um, savvy brokers, IMCs, and trucking carriers were able to take advantage of that right. and, and sort of pick off some volume from the rails. Uh, you know, Chicago is kind of the, the hub of the North American Rail Network, along with you the know, center uh, point, St. Louis and Memphis, where yeah. it all, all kind of connects. Um, but another thing, which is kind of interesting, and this speaks to your earlier point, when um, Vena was at Chicago, uh, Canadian National, he sort of masterminded this redesign of Canadian National's network that kind of sort of redistributed intermodal volumes away from Chicago simply because it was so congested. And so this might be something where you see uh, more volumes directed to places like St. Louis and Memphis 
instead of Chicago. Um, Interesting. Kind of a kind of a rebalancing of, of the Union Pacific's intermodal network. We don't exactly know how it's going to shake out. It could simply be the fact that they want. Um, you know, they're cutting costs, and they want to just jack their operating leverage, so when volumes do return, they'll make that much more money, right. and, you know, service be damned. We, we don't <laughs> really know if that's the case. Um, I mean, you would think in an environment like we're seeing today, where trucking, uh, truckload spot market really on a, on a slide, uh, you know, softening significantly right. compared to two years ago, for sure, uh, that, that the intermodal would actually, you know, Need to decline, like decrease their yeah. rates as well, and they They're seem not. to be holding a little sticky. They are, yeah, they are. Um, and so far, you know, uh, I, I think either you know affirming in we'll, we'll see movement in intermodal markets when um, trucking markets course correct, or when public equities investors kind of right. start asking harder questions about volume growth. Right on. So the rest of the trucking uh, sectors. So we had a few more earnings right. on the uh, on yep. the side, and we see we see them, you know, projecting out because they always want to kind of mitigate whatever the analysts expect because that obviously has an this impact is the on their stock. Yeah, this is where it's going to get. <laughs> well, I saw Warner, uh, who yeah. of course beat expectations by roughly seven cents uh, in earnings per share, uh, which was surprising. Yeah, I think. more than ten percent beat. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big jump. Um, yep. They gave a projection of saying that. They expected spot market rates to be as low as like 15% down uh, in the first half of this year and about 5% down in the second half. So even they admitted that this was kind of a conservative estimate. But I think some of our data is pointing to not necessarily that much of a decline in the spot market overall in the you know through the rest of the year. Do you agree? I don't see how it could keep going down that much further. I mean, if you look at like um, sort of the the broader industry assessments, they're they're again right around operating costs, right? Like 130, 140 a mile. Yeah. Right. So it's like it doesn't really go that much further down on an average basis. Sure. Um, well, it almost can't because I mean we talk. I think this recurring issue of like increasing costs. Uh, every single one of these earnings calls has the same thing. Insurance costs have gone up 50 to 60 percent. Right. Uh, the nuclear verdicts are out of control. I mean, that's not an un, uh, unlikely right, right. theme, but um, it's hard to imagine that they can actually tolerate, you know, going down much further than they did in 2019. Yeah, we think we actually think that um, uh, capacity sort of peaked in um, the second quarter, the, sort of the second half of 2018. Um, if you look at the quarter-on-quarter quarter percentage growth of Landstar business capacity owners, mm -hmm. the uh, their leased-on owner-operators, right. that growth quarter-over-quarter quarter peaked in uh, second quarter of 2018, then went negative in the right. first quarter of 2019. So it's... It, it's been declining for six quarters straight. It's been negative for, I think, three or four quarters straight. Um, we think that means that... Supply-side contraction. Yeah, yeah. And so um, at a certain... And that's sort of like a measure of absolute capacity, like mm -hmm. sort of the, the direction that the number of trucks is moving. Um, and eventually, absolute capacity will impact relative capacity, which is what we where we're talking about when we speak of tightness or looseness, right. capacity in relation to demand. So at a certain point, that will flip the market. Um, and you know, we know things are moving in the right direction. We know it's only a matter of time. And you know, some of it depends on international trade. Some of it depends on industrial production numbers, which are positive. Uh, we, we're getting really good data uh, from payrolls. 
on. We should talk about the industrial production thing because we yeah. just had a positive tick in the uh, PMI, the ISM, yeah. the in Institute of Supply Chain uh, Management. Right. Uh, you know, purchasing benchmark. Managers index, yeah, yeah. Purchasers managing and purchasing right. managers index, and uh, you know, it went all the way above fifty for the first time since July, since July. twenty nineteen. And uh, so this measures industrial activity. Yeah. You know, supply chain managers are surveyed by it. So when it has this big uptick, now. I was talking to Anthony Smith. Essentially, about what this. it is is it's a survey where they ask um, supply chain managers in manufacturing companies, "Are you expanding operations or contracting operations this month?" Right. Um, if the majority of them say they're expanding, then the score is going to be above fifty. If the majority say contracting, it's going to be below fifty. Right. So it went back above into expansionary Slightly territory. Slightly above fifty. So it's it's essentially fifty point nine. Uh, and that, so there is some positive. So combine that with the intermodal volume uptick, and there's almost like reason to be a little bit optimistic Bullish, yeah. about the industrial side of the economy. Right. Are Which we, has been the underperformer right. for all of 2019. Right. Because we, we, we watch the retail side. The consumer is still spending money. Unemployment rates are still historically low. Uh, the housing and construction market actually recovering from yeah. what was a soft period of time in a late 2018, early 2019. Now, honestly, we've seen PMIs tick up uh, not only in the United States, but in the broader Eurozone, Germany, and China as well. Um, it's, it, the January data, sort of pre-coronavirus, right. looks good. Um, you know, so I think there, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's one of the, like, no one wants to kind of jinx it, but it's like, did the Fed engineer a soft landing right. or not? <laughs> Um, what's going to happen to the macro economy? Maybe there's no recession this year. Who knows? Um, I mean, the signs are pointing away from that at this point, are they not? Yeah. I mean, we're yes. seeing positive yes. numbers in most uh, regards. Everybody's kind of waiting for this bottom. Uh, even the trucking market, even though I know it still looks like, you know, you're, the problem is that we, we hear these quarterly earnings reports and they're kind of backward facing. Right. And they're also accounting, you know, so there's going to be timing issues in those accounting figures. You're going to have things that push that those ORs up and down that aren't related to the overall economy in general, but. That's right, um, in, in every every transportation company has to make different operational choices and sort of decide on a strategy to respond to a certain set of market conditions. And right. so, you know, some, you know, for example, C.H. Robinson, we saw sacrificed margin to hold the line on volumes in the right. fourth quarter after getting punished by the market for dropping uh, market share in the third quarter, right. Um, whereas Echo Global Logistics, which just reported earlier this week, really sort of was able to hold the line on it. It's it's gross margin. I mean, calls it, they call it net revenue margins. Right. But the difference between you know um, what your customers paying you, what you're paying carriers, uh, th that margin only compressed by seventy basis points in the fourth quarter, which we thought was a win. Um, and uh, to, to down to sixteen point nine percent, which is a solid truckload, you know, brokerage margin. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so th there's a lot of things you have to suss out and account for when you're sort of taking the earnings in aggregate and trying to use them as a sort of backward-looking, um, you know, view of the fourth quarter. Right. You know, different companies have different revenue mixes, uh, exposure to different verticals, different operational uh, sort of philosophies, different market strategies. Sure. Well. And the fourth quarter is a different animal entirely. Uh, you know, in terms of retail peak and the holidays, and you have a number of working days that are diminished, so you have all sorts of weird mechanisms uh, in the fourth quarter. That yeah, it's, <laughs> another another example of like fourth quarter idiosyncrasy is Uber Freight. So they reported yesterday 
uh, Uber Technologies mm-hmm. did. Uber Freight, of course, the brokerage operating in U.S., Canada, Netherlands, Germany, and Poland. Right. Um, now, their, vo- their revenue w- was flat, like almost exactly flat, $219 million on the quarter versus $218 million in uh, Q3. It's kind of weird. It's like, okay, that's, that goes totally against like, right. the, like a company with $11 billion in cash that's burning it like crazy. Mm-hmm. But they also had flat quarter on quarter. Like uh, Q3 18 to Q4 18 was also flat. And then they kind of turned growth on again. In the quarter, they cut their um, losses from eighty-one million to fifty-five million. So that's pretty lo- tremendous. Yeah, they lost, still lost fifty-five million dollars on two hundred nineteen million in revenue, which I mean is not something most three PLs <laughs> are in a position to do. But it's kind of it's it's this weird thing to do where they pause, they reconsolidate, and then they well, turn it's, on it's your turn on growth again. It's your common like expansion contraction. You know, you yeah. look at you look at economic cycles in general, and you see this kind of extinction event. And then it goes back up again. You know, it's like short-term extinct, like short-term contraction, long-term expansion. And as long as that expansion is outweighing the contraction, you know, right. you're doing all right. And right. especially in a high-growth model. Yeah. So, so you know, there are lots of interesting. I, I, that's that's why actually we love earnings seasons because we have such good data into mm-hmm. sort of the market fundamentals. You know, like mm-hmm. volumes, um, capacity. In price, right, and and of course, you know, broken down into 135 geographic freight markets. But what's so fascinating is just how all of these individual companies make decisions about what to do, what they think is in the best interest of their customers, their shareholders, their employees, mm-hmm. and sort of how how they how they navigate those markets. Yeah, you kind of have to back up and take a look at the big picture every now and again just to see where you're sitting, you know, yeah. in the overall scene of things. I think the market itself right now is. You know, obviously in kind of a lull, we're in that January to February moment. You can't get lost in the moment right there. You know, it's this is normal. Volumes are actually flat year over year, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though capacity may feel like it's, you know, a lot looser to some. uh, But it's going to take some time for us to kind of dig out of this trough and, you know, see this. We normally need some sort of event uh, to kind of, you know, push us into the next uh, phase of growth. Right. Yeah, so we're looking for that in probably the second quarter. Yeah, right? second quarter. Into uh, the first quarter. Typically, March shows us something, and then, of course, June, as usual, have something for us. It may not be what we want, but uh, it should be something, at least, that'll that'll move the needle. Well, that'll do it for this week's On the Spot. Thank you so much, JP, Thanks, for Zach. hanging out with me today. And uh, stay tuned for more updates from Freight Waves. <laughs>